Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is marked for sensitive content. Please check content warnings in the episode description before listening. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another Breakdown bonus episode. I'm so excited today because we are going to be talking all about self-defense and safety with Lorna Selig with Safe for Life. And y'all do so much great work with self-defense workshops and classes and seminars. Talk to me about how you got into this type of work. Hi, good uh, good day, Abby. Um, yes, thanks so much for um, this opportunity here. I have been uh, teaching self-defense and personal safety in a formal capacity for about, uh, gosh, about 20 years. Um, I've always been interested. I myself um, was attacked by uh, when I was coming up to 17 years old. Uh, I was attacked by someone that I knew. Um, this person actually happened to be uh, a friend of a um, young man that I was uh, dating and going out with at the time. Um, and when the incident occurred, Abby, I really had uh, no skills. I had no voice. I had no, uh, just no understanding um, or even comprehension of what to do next. And so when um, the event occurred, I was picked up from behind. I was thrown into the back seat of a car and, you know, person kind of, you know, jumped on me. And, and um, you know, initially, I, I, I mean, my heart was pounding through my ears and and I I recall that um, they call it auditory occlusion, where where you have that. It was almost like being in a styrofoam box. That that sound in your ears of almost kind of ringing. Everything's going very very fast, but everything's going very very slow. And even describing this, you know, kind of again, Abby, it sort of puts me back in that place. I've got goosebumps on my <laughs> on my arms. But so so eventually, I'm laying in the back seat of the car, going. Oh my God, like, ah, uh, what's going on here? Um, and finally it sort of occurred to me to, you know, bring my knees up and and uh, pin this person against uh, one side of the car. And I opened up the door and rolled out the other side. And and just, it was it was amazing. But, but the next part wasn't so amazing, Abby. And that was, I said, nothing to nobody. I got up off the ground. I dusted myself off. I you know, straighten myself out. And um, I went back to this outdoor bonfire saying nothing to nobody. And, and I didn't say anything to anybody for years and years and years. And then when I was about 25, a similar incident um, happened to me again um, while I was using a valley parking service. And um, yeah, and somebody, uh, this person I had, uh, I was waiting actually for my car. And as I... Um, as I was standing outside this nightclub waiting for my car, the valet actually kind of brought my car around and sort of shoved me up against um, the car and, you know, kind of grabbing and pawing and, you know, saying, you know, very awful, horrible things. Um, and it was kind of at that moment that the lights went on and I went, 
holy smokes, like this is twice. What on earth can I do so that two times is enough? Never, ever again. And um, it was kind of at that stage that I had, you know, I was working my way through university and I'm in the social services industry. And so I began, um, you know, researching and, and uh, you know, in the in those days, I mean, there, there was no Google, uh, so it was libraries. So I spent some time, you know, working. I was working with some teens at that stage who also had some of these experiences. And we kind of, you know, put together a bit of a hodgepodge kind of um, self-defense um, curriculum. Um, it was never really um, all that effective, I don't think. And so fast forward a few years, I... Um, uh, stopped work and I, you know, stayed home to have babies for a couple of years. And then when my youngest was five, um, there was a program being offered in his school. And um, so I went and, and watched this uh, program. And when the program was done, I just said, holy moly, this right here is the curriculum and the, um, and the content that um, I've been looking for and trying to dream up on my own, never really got it together to do that. So I contacted the owner of the company who was a uh, city of Calgary police officer. Calgary is the city that I live in, in Canada. And uh, so I reached out to Deb and I said, um, I, uh, I love your program. I want to come and teach for you. So that kind of, you know, evolved into about 20 years of, um, well, actually about 14, 12 or 14 years of training with her um, and the city of Calgary police officers that she had for her uh, staff people and uh, her instructors. And then um, in 2014, she came to me and, and she said, um, I want to divest myself of the actual curriculum and the training, the classroom workshop parts of this company and and do you want to buy it and so like any good you know happenstance entrepreneur i kind of said oh um okay and so that just started um you know well it's nine years now in march it'll be 10 years that my partner and i have been um you know owning and running this program and we've uh We've got a great little uh, curriculum. We teach um, kids starting at about the age of three, um, all the way up to, well, the oldest person I think I've probably ever had in my class was 86. And she wow. was a, yeah, and she was a, um, she was an, uh, a woman of about, I don't even know if she was five feet tall and she was just, but she was fierce and she was mighty. And, um, you know, we a big a big component of our program, Abby, is that we have what we call the padded attacker experience. So we go through, you know, the various, um, you know, steps to really kind of, you know, bring your confidence up, tune into your intuition and your instinct. Um, I mean, the truth of it is we know when some bad stuff's going to go down. Um, we've just got to learn to listen to that, to read that and avoid it mm. so so our padded attacker um he is a fellow who um big dude we've got several of them with our company um dress is in a in a padded suit a fist suit we call it um and his job is to attack our participants mm. and so all done of course very you know carefully and and supportively and with much coaching on our mats and uh he grabs our people and takes them down 
and much in the same way as a real life scenario would go. And um, so they, you know, our, our participants, they're fighting and kicking and beating on our, our blue guy and they escape. And, um, you know, it's a very cathartic process for many, many, many of our people, many of whom have already been victimized um, by whether it's a, a loved one or intimate partner sort of stuff, or or if it's, you know, a stalking that's happened in a parkade or a grab that's happened, you know, sort of um, on a street somewhere. And um, so the padded attacker uh, experience is, is one of those pieces of our curriculum that really... Um, uh, kind of causes people to shift um, from that, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this to, wow, did you see that? That was amazing. So it's just, uh, and and we always say, you know, people leave our, our classes, you know, uh, six inches taller, you know, because they've just got that, um, that confidence and that, you know, uh, I've got this um, kind of, focus and the stuff they they can put it into action like within seconds of leaving our our classes because it's real um you know it's hands-on it's usable uh skills for now so well as somebody who is five foot three leaving six inches taller that's <laughs> wonderful maybe i can actually get some modeling gigs but what you said about the victims that come to your class and from your own experience and from the episode that I put out this week, it sounds like a partner that you know or somebody that you're close with is actually statistically hired to be somebody that is going to attack you in this way. Would you say, if you had to put a percentage to it, how often do you think this happens with somebody you know rather than a stranger in a dark alley? So thanks for bringing that up, Abby. Absolutely. The st- I feel like there's two types of people in the world. The people that get super excited when the temps hit the 80s and the people who are like, holy crap, it's bathing suit weather and I do not feel my best. The warmer it is, the more dialed in I feel like I need to be with my nutrition. But I got to be honest with you, I hate cooking. Do I cook for myself and feel great? Or do I get takeout and eat a bunch of crap that's just honestly expensive and not that great for you? That's why I really enjoyed trying out Factor. Factor is a meal service that requires no prep. All you got to do is heat them up in the microwave for like two minutes and they're chef crafted. So they're actually designed to meet your nutrition goals, whether you're trying to watch your calories, get more protein in or follow a keto diet. There are 35 different meals in 60 add-ons to choose from with breakfast, lunches, dinners, and even desserts. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything. And then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packs 
stacked add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. That's for um, uh, victimization by somebody who is known um, are huge, especially in children. Um, the statistics for um, an, an assault that would occur by either a family member, a family friend, somebody who is known is about 85 to 90% of the time. It is never strangers, or I shouldn't say never, it's rarely a stranger. It is about 90% of the time, it is somebody that is known to the victim in children. In adults, that uh, percentage drops a little bit. To pro- and again, depending on where your research lands, um, it's probably between 60 to 70% of um, the time that a, an assault occurs, it is by somebody who is known to the victim. Mm-hmm. And then, so further to that, um, when it comes to intimate partner or, or close partner um, violence, um, the the circumstances for um you know escaping and removing yourself um uh, change a little bit because there is that emotional connection and very often the victims um or the survivors as i like to call them the strong survivors um uh risk or feel like um they don't want to harm hmm. that person right there is that emotional connection. Um, And when we are emotionally invested in a relationship, we almost have this illusion that um, everything's going to be fine. And if if I do something um, that's going to cause a rift or going to cause conflict, um, I'm going to somehow be to blame for the demise of that. Right. And so um, if, if I'm in a relationship um, that is uh, at risk potentially of becoming violent, um, the work is for me to recognize my value, my worth, and muster up that, um, that confidence to know that um, I can fight back and I will fight back. It's easy to go in thinking, okay, I'm going to learn some physical things that I can do to protect myself. But also when it comes to such a high statistic of people experiencing this kind of violence with somebody that they know, you got to also coach them on the emotional aspect and how to put themselves in the mindset of I need to protect myself. Even though I may love this person, this person isn't showing me love. So how do you shape their perspective so that they can go into those kinds of situations prepared to push back? Um, Sometimes that's a bigger process. Um, Many of these folks who've been victimized um, have been victimized over time. And it's kind of, I don't know if you ever heard of that analogy of the frog in the pot. Yes. I talk about it all the time. Right. You sit in there and all of a sudden something happens. You kind of go, Oh, that's strange. That weird. That's weird. I don't really like it. Oh, it's nothing. And then, you know, a short time later, something else happens. That's, you know, potentially a bit bigger and you kind of brush that off and brush that off. And so there's almost this kind of learned acceptance of somebody's bad and can I say shitty behavior. And as a result, um, we we tend to a little bit get desensitized mm. to it until all of a sudden, 
something happens where we uh, discover or uncover that um, we need to make a change to this or the next time can be significant and and much more serious. So for that reason, I think um, some longer term like counseling and therapy and just some real soul searching stuff needs to happen for us, right? And unfortunately, you know, we as women, we're caretakers a lot of the time. And and when, when people are, uh, and, and we're forgivers. And so there needs to be a way for us to shift from that, I'm going to uh, try to make this okay, to, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't okay. And I'm going to make a change for myself, as opposed to trying to uh, continue with the relationship. And for, for for many people, that tipping point is different. Um, sometimes it is, um, you know, a physical confrontation. That's the tipping point. Sometimes it is, um, you know, uh, a, a trip to the emergency room. That's the tipping point, right? And and all of this uh, uh, violence, I think, is along a continuum. And we all have different thresholds of what we're prepared to put up with, right? And so we need to make those decisions for ourselves. Maybe it's with the support of, uh, you know, people who are in our lives, family, friends, whoever that might be. I always say that the best way to um, avoid going down that deep, dark hole of abuse, assault, um, you know, actual dangerous events is by talking about it and talking about it at the time that it starts. And it might be five years ago, it might be six months ago, but to have those people in our lives that we can really connect with and say, do you know what happened last night? I was cooking dinner and, you know, so-and-so did this or said this, you know, and just to have a bit of a reality check with somebody who is close to us um, and then keep that conversation current. Um, I think sometimes we, when we're, when we're the frog in the pot and little things happen, little things happen, little things happen, we kind of normalize them and we and we make it so that it's no big deal, right? Till all of a sudden everything explodes. Exactly. And I, I, I use that metaphor all the time because yeah. so many of these stories, it's like you hear what happens and you hear the headline of like, oh, I was kidnapped. And to be fair with this episode I put out, they had already been split at this point, but it, it'll be to that extent. And as an outsider, you go, why didn't you get out? Why didn't you? But but it's all these little things that when somebody you love is doing it to you, it's so easy to brush off, brush off, brush off. And then finally, you know, the relationship ends because it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is my threshold of like, I cannot put up with this anymore. Um, so I'm sure you see a lot of those kinds of stories coming into your classes for self-defense. And as you're starting to teach them these tools, I'm curious, what are some of the common mistakes that you see them make as you're teaching them how to defend themselves? Um, so one of the big things that we talk about, Abby, is be solid in your no. No is a complete sentence. We don't need to justify it. We don't need to explain it. We don't need to you know, kind of speak it gently, we can just say, no, stop. That's my line. Um, we, we sort of help individuals to really discover that they are strong. 
And even if it feels like um, somebody is overpowering you, somebody is um, right in your space and threatening. I my favorite my favorite thing, Abby. I mean, it sounds um, you know uh, odd, probably, but a great shot to the throat, a great shot to the groin. Yeah. Um, that is probably in my book the very very best way to make sure that that line in the sand that you were drawing is crystal clear to that other person. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do when you are in an intimate partner relationship. Um, But recognizing that you can stand up for yourself and you need to stand up for yourself. We um, We use the example sometimes of if it were your child Mm. and somebody was treating your child that way, what would you do? Would you stand by and let it happen? Or I see your cat behind you, Abby. Do you, would you, would you, um, you know, let somebody treat your pet that way? Mm -hmm. Or would you stand, would you step in and stand up for them? Um, And that's where that solid uh, no comes in. And when we are teaching that um, piece around a strong and solid no, we always suggest that you actually put your hand in front of that person's face for that uh, physical, uh, just just that physical barrier. Um, it is a it is a way to um, it makes us as you know people standing up for ourselves feel stronger because all of a sudden we've got you know our space established and um, and a strong shout of a no is uh, very very powerful. Now again, depending on the relationship and depending on the um kind of level of violence and how it has escalated um next you would probably do a nice little shot to the throat with your fist or an open palm that mm-hmm. works beautifully um and a shot to the groin is very very uh i mean that is a crystal clear message to that other person and again it's male or female a shot to the groin in a female is also as as um painful maybe not quite um, as a shot to the groin for a male, but it sends a very, very clear message that this is my line. This is my no, that is that is far enough. Well, I can imagine when these survivors are taking your class, maybe they're struggling with the mindset of, you know, having to fight up against somebody that they're close with, but how do you get people to have the courage to actually execute what you're telling them? Because I'm hearing this in theory, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can kick somebody in the balls. They'll be fine. But in the moment, it's a lot scarier. So do you give them tools as well to kind of build up that courage to be able to fight back? Many of the people um, who come to our classes, so we've got kind of three different, I guess, categories or something. So it is um, people who've been um, victimized, people who've been assaulted, um, people who know somebody who has been assaulted, or people who are afraid of being assaulted themselves. And so one of the, so our, our workshop is a four-hour session. And so people get the opportunity to kind of share their stories. Um, and our instructors are all, um, they, they also have their own stories, right? Um, and so that uh, sort of experience of sharing stories, talking about how they got to that point um, to fight back, to leave, to escape is very powerful. And um, discussing those steps to establish and regain that confidence, because 
part of this whole um, violence and domestic violence uh, continuum is that breaking down um, bit by bit and chipping away at confidence, chipping away at self-esteem, chipping away at at our power, and um, it, and it doesn't. The the th- I, I don't really I, I don't want to minimize this, Abby, because it's a massive process and it's a lot of work for lots of people, and it is not easy. It's not easy to stand up to somebody who you are in a committed relationship with and who is treating you badly. It's hard to do. And but but once that tipping point arrives for you, um, and whether that's with the uh, support of, of a group like um, a Safe for Life program or any other self-defense program, um, it really shifts that um, level of uh, confidence that you feel and it and it it's almost like the lights come on mm-hmm. and you can sort of um you know you shift through and again i i don't want to I, I don't want to minimize this or or make it seem like oh it's nothing because it's huge mm-hmm. it's huge and coming to that point where you can say um i walked away from that because it was damaging to me. There is so much, uh, so much power in that, you know, so much confidence in that. And I just, you know, I cannot establish enough the, the value of having a circle of confidants, right? Unfortunately, what happens in many, many of these domestic, uh, you know, conflict situations is the offender um, spends a lot of time isolating their the the partner who they are abusing. That's part of the cycle, right? That's part of uh, how they establish so much power is to remind that person that they don't have anybody in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, so very often moving through to the other side of it is reestablishing those connections and having those conversations taking a self-defense course, um, even honestly, take a, a jujitsu or take a karate class or something where you can, um, you know, learn some of those physical skills. Um, the confidence is, um, and the, and the um, empowerment will come eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's many, many steps to it. And people who um, attend a self-defense course, I think that's, one step of, I don't know, 74 um, <laughs> steps. I don't know how many there are. It's different for everybody. Well, I think just yeah. even prepared, going into a situation that nobody can prepare for can at least make you feel prepared. I mean, that's yeah. just like with anything. If you're getting ready for a test at school or if you're getting ready for work, coming in with just any kind of experience yeah. of something to fall back on when your mind freezes up, I'm sure can make anybody feel empowered in a situation where they're made to feel disempowered. I want to put you in uh, a scenario that we that we put out in the main episode this week. So this episode was all about somebody who says she was kidnapped by her ex. And there were a couple of situations where she tried to fight back and tried to get out, but she couldn't. And then there was one instance where she did a lot of the things that you had mentioned, but I would love to know from an expert's perspective what you would have done. How her entire ordeal got kicked off was her ex picked her up, said that he was gonna take her out to dinner about 20-ish minutes away or whatever. 
And he ends up passing the restaurant. That's when she kind of knows that something's up. Mm. And she tried to get out of the vehicle, but wasn't able to. In that moment, if you are trapped in somebody's vehicle and he's he's taking you somewhere else, what would you advise somebody doing in that situation to fight back? So first of all, um, so wind it back, you know, three weeks ago, the fact that he planned to kidnap her um, is, I would assume, is not the very first incident that occurred in that relationship. And so um, when he had called her um, to say, let's go to dinner, I would have at that moment, or she could have at that moment, alerted somebody Mm-hmm. to um, what was going on. I would have put my um, location, uh, what do they call that? Um, location oh, yeah, find my friends on my phone. Immediately, I would have. Um, as soon as he passed that restaurant, I would have turned um, my phone on and began recording mm-hmm. uh, what was happening. Um, it's the, the, the situation in this case um this this woman um, is probably going to be harmed in some way, um, regardless of um, when Buddy takes her to where he's taking her. I'm guessing he's not. I, I mean, his plan is to hurt her, mm-hmm. and so um, in this situation, um, she could she. It it probably. Um, I I was going to suggest to you that she could start fighting him Mm -hmm. in the car. Um, He's going down a highway. Fighting him in a car is a very, very dangerous thing to do. Um, But there will be a time that he has to stop Mm -hmm. the vehicle, right? Um, When he stops that vehicle or when he slows that vehicle, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for her to hop out, Mm -hmm. um, that would be a brilliant thing. moment to do that if he has to slow for traffic if he has to you know whatever um you know turn a corner you know opening that door and getting out Mm -hmm. is um you know and doing the tuck and roll thing (laughs) landing in a ditch you know he's probably going to stop the car depending on how angry and and riled up he is at that moment and come back to her that's when the fighting can start she needs to have that phone on though um, and she needs to have um, the 911 at the ready and uh, start doing that call. But yeah, get those um, notification services on, um, do whatever she can to alert people to know where she's at. Um, how did that turn out for her? Uh, what what yes. was the uh, what was the end result? So she she started doing some of the things that you mentioned. So she brought her phone out. She told her she prior to her leaving, she had told her close guy friend and her dad where nice. she's headed. And nice. then she pulled out her phone once she kind of realized, oh, this is not a good situation. She started saying, hey, something's up. And then her ex looked over, saw that she was texting and threw her phone out the window, which was not oh, cool. yeah. Um, So then he eventually four hours down the road, pulls over and goes to a gas station. I know it's terrifying. It's absolutely horrific. And she did pretty much what you said, but I wonder if you would do anything different. So she said that I need to go to the bathroom. So he takes her to the gas station, wouldn't let her go into the stall by herself. And then when she came out, she ended up saying, this guy's kidnapping me. Someone please help me. And it ended up working out in her favor because he ran off and then she had to get the authorities involved. It was awful. But 
I was just picturing myself in the car because it's one thing to be in a public place where you can call for help. It's another to be trapped. I'm like, I don't know what I would have done in that situation, especially Mm. because he disabled. I don't know if it was the child lock on the window or the the car, but she couldn't, she she was going to tuck and roll. And she couldn't do it. So um, I was wondering from like an expert's mm-hmm. perspective, could you could you have done anything before then? But I think waiting out was probably the right move. Yeah, well, and the fact that she let people know that is the first step for sure. And the fact that she was texting along the way saying something's going on here. Now that he threw her phone out on the highway is, um, well, uh, yeah, it kind of speaks to to him, doesn't it? But worst case um, scenario. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the fact that she was able to shout one of the things um, and, that she was able to shout and let people know that she was in trouble. That's brilliant. The other thing that we teach in our class is be vocal about it, be verbal about it. If something is up, you don't feel safe. Shout, scream, holler, bang on the windows, bang on the doors. Um, let people know that something's going on. Bring that attention to you. That's going to be the first thing that that the offender is saying. Shut up, shut up. You know, keep it down. If you don't, you know, I'm I'm good. I'll stab you or whatever it is. If you if you don't shut up, I'm gonna you know do whatever to you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I often say I would rather be harmed by somebody coming at me trying to tell me to keep quiet than then um you know having said nothing yeah. you know so um yeah so wow i'm i'm glad that she's you know made it through uh to the other side she did the right things um i think you know even potentially and and sometimes this works sometimes it doesn't um you know but to kind of have some kind of code word with um you know somebody that you're close to um if you're in that sort of risky sort of situation that might say i don't know what it is unicorns or whatever you might type that would alert people to um where you are but the fact that she um you know let people know in advance of is awesome well, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this really important topic. I mean, my audience is like 99.9% women and mm-hmm. a lot of people are really either a passionate about the topic of domestic violence or B, you know, they're single and they're out in the dating world and they're doing that when they're going out on dates, they're texting their friends they're like, Hey, I'm going to be at this restaurant. If anything happens to me, let me know. Fantastic. I'll let you know. And it's heartbreaking that we even have to have this conversation, yeah. but it's an important conversation to have nonetheless. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Thanks for tuning in to another breakdown bonus episode. You can check out all of safe for life's info in the episode description. And if you still want to come to the breakup breakdown brunch on September 23rd in Atlanta, you can check out those details down there too. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.